You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. Take your Bibles or your phones and turn to Luke chapter 19 and hold your place there. If you don't have a Bible with you, if it's not on your phone, uh, the passage is going to come up on the screen later. Um, so not only is this a day to celebrate dads, I, I don't know if you realize this or not, but this is actually the first day of summer. Did everybody know that? Today's first day of summer. And so that means that literally we're leaving spring behind and we're diving into a, a new season. We're diving into summer. And for some, that's literal, right? You're diving into the pool, into the lake, at the beach. Um, let me ask you, what do you think of when you think of summer? What comes to mind? I'd like to hear from you. What do you think of when you think of summer? Cookouts. Cookouts. Beach. The beach. Humidity. Humidity? <laughs> yeah, what else? Gardening. Gardening, Yeah. Somebody else. It's summer. What do you think about? What's going to be happening? Never ending lake days. Never ending lake days. Oh. Family time. Family time. Noah, what about you? Vacations. Vacations. Yeah. All of those are summer times of things. Like uh, for me, um, 4th of July, fireworks, uh, watermelon, cookie, cookouts. Hey, remember this? Uh, homemade ice cream. I'm not talking about the electric churn, but remember the days when you actually put ice in a wooden churn and you actually had to churn it by hand. Everybody remember that? Yeah, some of you. Did anybody ever have to sit on the top of the churn? Billy, Billy, why did we have to do that? So you put a paper bag on top of the churn and and you, you, you had to sit there. And does anybody know why? Do you know why, Billy? Maybe. I suppose that's one theory. Somebody told me last service because it makes it easier to churn. So we'll go with either one of those. And you turned it and the ice would settle. And as, because you're jostling the handle, it would slowly make the, the cylinder uh, come up further up, 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 up. Thank you for that science lesson. <laughs> <laughs> uh, those are, those are all, all summer kinds of things. Let me ask you, have you ever thought about this? Uh, with every change in season... It causes us to do life differently, right? With every change of season, it causes us to do life differently. For instance, uh, when summer comes, what do we do? We anticipate longer days. And so with longer days, we spend more time outside, extended time into the evening, doing things with family. In the summertime, uh, we have, as Noah said, vacations. We get, we get to travel. Um, uh, we, we get to do fun first-time things and make family memories. Those are the things that, that come with, with, with summer. Um, let me ask it. What about the other seasons? What do you think about when you think about fall? Hunting, football, Hunting, football. Halloween. What do you think about when you think about winter? Hockey. Hockey. Okay, that's the first. That didn't come up Christmas. last year. Christmas. Skiing. Too cold. Too cold. And what do you think about when you think about spring? Flowers. Flowers. <laughs> yeah. Fresh cut grass. Anybody else got something off? Huh? Pollen. Pollen. That's last time somebody said, said allergies. So I'll say it again. Every time a season changes, it's a catalyst that causes us to do life differently than we did in the season before. I think we've identified we don't do life the same way in the fall as we do in the summer or winter as we do in the summer or spring as we do in winter. We, every time there's a season change, it causes us to do life differently. Let me ask you something else. Can you identify 
uh, one thing that all the seasons have in common. <laughs> That's a new one. Golf all year round. Uh, only Dave. And somebody else. Can, something else besides what Dave said. Can you identify one thing that all the seasons have in common? Let me tell you. There's one thing that I know all the seasons have in common, and it's change. Right? All the seasons partner with change. I've got a lot of questions this morning. Why do the seasons change? Is it an act of science, or is it a sovereign act of God? It's a sovereign act of God. God, the sovereign creator, has planned and designed and set the changing of seasons in motions. The seasonal changes are divine changes, and God, the creator, has purposely orchestrated these changes. So in the very same way, just as God has divinely and purposely orchestrated the changing of earth seasons, listen to this, he has divinely and purposely orchestrated the personal changing of seasons in our lives. Do you believe that? Yeah, biblically, it's, it's correct. Listen to Ecclesiastes 3.1. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. Daniel 2, 20 and 21 says, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who are understanding. So we know that God is the divine orchestrator of seasons, both natural and personal. So in the same way that we anticipate that we would do life differently when the natural seasons change, we should anticipate that in the personal seasons of life, when we change seasons in life, that we would do life in a new and a different way. I got another question for you. What are some of the personal seasons of life that we experience? Getting married. Getting married. Did somebody say retiring? Retiring? Raising a family? Kids leaving for college. That's close to home for you. Death of someone? Anybody else? Let me tell you a few that I identified, some of the ones you did. Um, from teenager to young adult, from college to career, from single to married, from married to divorced, um, from married to widow or widower, um, changing jobs or changing careers, changing from one neighborhood to another. That's a change in season. Changing from one city to another. You might go through a dry season, a waiting season, a busy season, a hard season with tests and trials. You might go through a spiritual warfare season, or hopefully you'll go through some happy seasons. Would you identify as all of those seasons that we would experience in life? Listen, here's what I have no doubt of. Uh, because of our own personal experiences, we know that life is a journey of seasons. Season after season after season after This is an undeniable truth, and there's nothing that we can do to change it. Absolutely nothing. And that means that we have a choice. When we enter into a new season, we can enter into that season um, with the brakes on, resisting, not wanting to go into that season, or we can choose to accept every new season as a new opportunity. Let me say that again. We can choose to accept every new season as a new opportunity. Um, I want to tell you something that I'm convinced of this morning. Um, 
Preparing for a message is not just about studying. It, it, that's part of it. You have to study the passages. You want to make sure that you're biblically correct and that you're working within the context of the Scripture. But message preparation is much more. It's hearing God's voice. You see, as a campus pastor, I've been entrusted with God's Word to, to bring to you every weekend. So I don't want to just bring the Word to you, but I want to hear from God. God, what is it that you actually want to say to your people this morning? What is it you want to say through this message? And this week while I was in this process, without a doubt, I knew that the Lord was saying, and listen, I believe this is a word from the Lord for everybody in this room, and that the Lord would say, I want to bring you into a new season. In fact, he would say, I am bringing you into a new season. He, he's calling you to experience a new season of life. And so with that this morning, I want to talk about four seasons of life or four opportunities that come through new seasons of life. There are many seasons, there are many opportunities, but I want to talk about four of them this morning. And I'll begin by just saying this, a new season creates the opportunity to trade in an old way of life for a new way of life. A new season creates the opportunity to trade an old way of life for a new way of life. Now, I want you to think about this statement because in reality, this is what our spiritual journey of transformation is all about. We talked about discipleship last week. This is what it's all about. It's about a journey of seasons in which we're trading one way of life for a new way of life. And what we're trading, an old way of life for a new way of life in Christ. And the New Testament is not silent on this subject. For instance, in Romans, uh, we're reminded that we are in Christ. In other words, when we come into relationship with God through Jesus Christ, we become new creations. We enter into a new season of life, and it's a season of being in Christ. Ephesians urges us to take off the old self and put on the new self. And all throughout the New Testament, we find the concept of, uh, uh, of trading an old way of life for a new way of life in Christ. Let me tell you why this is so important. It's important because for every single one of us, particularly if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, every day of your life, there are things that are associated with your life before Christ that are continually wanting to come back in that are wanting to be rooted in your life, that want to have place in your life. They are continually, every day, coming at us. And therefore, it's important that in this journey of spiritual transformation that we are continuously working through the power of the Holy Spirit to take off the old way of life and to put on the new way of life in Christ. It's a daily exercise. Today, I have to take off this old way and I have to remember that I am in Christ, so I put on Christ. In fact, you read in the New Testament and it's often like the taking off of one garment and the putting on of another garment. It's, it's that literal, that we take off an old way of life and we put on a new way of life. In Matthew chapter 9, uh, we find one 
of the many opportunities to trade an old way of life for a new way of life. I'm not going to read the passage to you because we actually looked at this passage in Matthew chapter 9 last week. It's actually one verse. Matthew Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. And it's the story of Matthew the tax collector being called by Jesus. What we find, so Matthew was a tax collector. And what do we know about tax collectors? We know that they were corrupt, they were greedy, they, they cheated people, they were deceitful, and they were deceitful because they were asking people to pay more taxes than were actually required. They were cheating them. They were deceiving them out of their money. The story goes in Matthew 9, 9, so short that one day uh, Matthew is sitting at his tax collector's booth. And Jesus comes by and he addresses Matthew. And he says, Matthew, come and follow me. And in that moment, what happened is that Matthew got up from the tax collector's booth, the place where he lived his life on a daily basis. He got up from the tax collector's booth and he began to follow Jesus. And we know that he continued to follow Jesus because we read about him in the book he wrote. This is the same Matthew who wrote the gospel of Matthew. And so he continued to follow Jesus. So in reality, here's what happened that day. When Jesus called Matthew, Matthew made a decision. When Matthew got up from the tax collector's booth, he made a decision that he would leave an old way of life, a life of deceitfulness, and he would trade it for a life of truth in Jesus Christ. Again, he got up because he made a decision. I'm no longer going to live this way. I'm trading this lifestyle and I'm going to follow and I'm going to live in the truth of Jesus Christ. I'm sure he had no idea what that completely meant that day, but he did follow. He traded one way of life for a new way of life in Christ. He made the right decision. What does that mean for us personally? What does it mean for us personally? Let me ask you, is there some aspect of your life? Say that again. Is there some aspect of your life that is not what it really appears to be? In other words, do you live your life in some area of your life one way in public, but in private, it's different? Maybe that's in a work situation. Maybe there's deceitfulness that's going on in your work situation. Or maybe it's in a money situation. Maybe there's some deceitfulness in how you're handling money. Out here, it all looks good. But behind the scenes, it's a little crooked. Is there deceit in some area? Or, or maybe it, it, it's, it's in a relationship. Uh, uh, is there, um, is there deceitfulness in a, in a relationship that you have? Another, let me ask you, is there some aspect of your life that's not what it actually appears to be? If this is true, I want you to hear this. Today, Jesus is calling you to leave that old way of life of deceitfulness. He's asking you to make a decision today to say, you recognize I am living 
a deceitful kind of life in this area, or maybe it's the whole of your life. And today I'm making a decision. I'm going to get up from that and I choose to make a trade. I, 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 I'm leaving this and I'm trading it and I am going to follow completely in my life the truth that comes through Jesus Christ. I'm not just talking about salvation. I'm talking about that you would make him Lord of your life. In other words, here, here's the word today. You have a chance to come clean. You have a chance to come clean with a deceitfulness and walk in truth. And I can tell you that takes a lot of courage. And it takes a lot of humility to do that. It's not easy, but it's the best way of life. You have a choice that you can make. But there's, a, there's another aspect. There's another way that that might play it out in your life. Deceitfulness. Um, is it possible that sometime in your life or for a period of time in your life, that there were words spoken over you, about you, concerning you, that you bought into and you accepted as truth. I'm talking about things like, words like, um, you're worthless. You'll never amount to anything. You never bring value to any situation. Uh, you're not lovable. You're not likable. Nobody wants you around. Those are all words that have been spoken over you, concerning you, about you. And here's what I, I want to make sure you understand. Those words are rooted in deceit. And the deceit is rooted in the very pit of hell. And it comes from Satan and his whole dark force. Just be really honest with you. That, that's where it comes from. In, in Revelation chapter 10, we're told that Satan is the accuser. So we know he is making accusation to God about us all the time. But also, he is with his dark demonic forces... Uh, slinging, firing these lies at us, wanting us to believe deceit rather than truth. And if you find that, I'll give you for instance, when I was growing up, I had someone uh, speak to me um, on more than one occasion. Uh, and basically the words were, uh, nobody wants to hear what you have to say. Nobody wants to hear your voice. What you have to say is, 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 is of little value. And so for the longest, I grew up believing that. I believed it into my adult years. But then I had a revelation. That's, that's a lie. That's not how God sees me. That's not how God sees me at all. Because I'm in Christ. I, I'm a new creation. That might have been one person's perspective, but it wasn't God's perspective. It's not God's perspective today. So I made a decision that I'm going to trade that lie. I'm not going to believe it anymore. And I am going to follow the truth because I know that God says I'm valuable. I'm his chosen. I'm his son. And those are the same kinds of things he says about you. Don't believe those lies because you are his child. You are chosen. You are loved. You are his own. 
if you want to know what it means to be in Christ, just begin to read through the New Testament. Just read Ephesians chapter 1 to find out all the blessing that we have in Christ. So today, Jesus is calling you into a new season. If you've believed words that have been spoken over you or about you in the past, you have a choice today. You have a decision because Jesus is calling you to get up from those things and leave them and walk into the truth of who you are in Christ. Not only do new seasons create the opportunity to trade an old way of life for a new way of life, but a new season provides the opportunity to see life through a Jesus perspective. I believe, I am convinced that God calls us into new seasons because he wants to change our perspective. He wants us to change our perspective. Um, Let me ask you, and, and I recognize I might be getting into your business this morning. Please still love me. Um, have you ever found yourself uh, in a season? Or, let me even say, are you in, currently in a season of life where kind of life feels numb? Your perspective is just kind of numbness. And um, you see life through very critical, judgmental, negative, cynical way of thinking. That's just how you view life. If that's you, I'm going to be really honest with you. I'm going to tell you where it comes from. Your perspective is focused on yourself. You have a self-focused perspective. That's why you're seeing life negatively. And it's not until you change your perspective that you will begin to see life differently. And the change that has to be made, if you want to see life correctly, is that you would move into a Jesus perspective. Um, You need a perspective change, and experiencing this perspective change requires a willingness to rise up above the crowd. Let me me explain what that means by... um, uh, reading to you, I had you turn earlier to a passage in Matthew. Would you, would you look at that passage in Matthew chapter 19? Um, I want to read you uh, in two sections the story of a man, another tax collector, a chief tax collector, the man Zacchaeus. So beginning in verse 19, verse 1. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, Come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Now, um, I had the uh, privilege of growing up in Sunday school. So I learned this story very early on, and I learned it with a song. Did anybody else learn the Zacchaeus song? Look at that. I'm going to sing it for you. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. Join in. He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Lord came passing by, he looked up in the tree. And he said, Zacchaeus, you come down. For I'm going to your house today. For I'm going to your house today. Very good. That is incredible. That was almost like singing a hymn in church, wasn't it? But you know, it's a simple song, but it captures the story really well. So Zacchaeus, 
a tax collector. So same kind of personality as Matthew. Deceitful, uh, corrupt, evil, uh, greedy, all of those things. So um, he heard, uh, and, and here's what he's in this case has working against him. He's, he's small in stature. He heard that Jesus was going to be coming. And the crowds were gathering because they wanted to see Jesus. And Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus too. But the problem is his perspective was maybe about waist high. In other words, the only thing he could see were the, the people around him. That was his perspective. But he did something about it. He saw a tree and he said, I'm going to change my perspective because I want to see Jesus. And so what does he do? He goes to the tree and he climbs up in the tree. And because he changed his perspective, when Jesus came by, guess what? Zacchaeus saw Jesus. And not only did Zacchaeus see Jesus, but what else happened? Jesus saw Zacchaeus. And it was all because he made a decision to rise up above the crowd, change his perspective from a self-focused perspective to a, a, a Jesus perspective. Now he's seeing Jesus. We have to change our perspective to a Jesus perspective. Let me ask you this morning, what's your perspective on life? How are you viewing life? Are you seeing life through a critical perspective, a negative perspective, a cynical perspective, a judgmental perspective? And if so, are you willing to rise up above the crowdedness of negative thinking, cynical thinking, judgmental thinking, the crowdedness of um, uh, cynicism. Are you willing to rise up above the crowdedness of this so that you can rise up above it and see Jesus? Because when you rise up above it and see Jesus, what you recognize is that Jesus is at work in my life. In fact, he's always at work. But because I've been crowded by these things, I've let my perspective be on myself. And this is what I see and now I've changed my perspective and I see Jesus. And now I have hope and I understand that Jesus is at work in my life. It changes how we see everything, how we view everything. Are you willing to rise up above the crowdedness of whatever is going on in your life that's causing you to have a self-focused perspective? That's what Jesus is calling you to today. Jesus is calling you to have a right perspective. It's interesting because that's not all of Zacchaeus' story. I want to read a little bit more. Um, in verses 7 through uh, 10, it says, All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. So when Zacchaeus changed his perspective from a self-focused perspective to a Jesus perspective, he was able to see the truth 
about himself. He was actually able to see that he was a greedy man, that he was a deceitful man, that he was a corrupt man. And because now he had a Jesus perspective, he did something about it. He repented and he made restoration. He made things right. Listen, embracing a Jesus perspective of life leads to repentance and to restoration. It's not until we will rise up above the crowdedness of our own situation and trade uh, our self-focused perspectives that we, it's only when we move into a Jesus perspective that we can take an honest look at ourselves. And when we took, take an honest look at ourselves, what does it do? It brings us to a place of repentance and making things right. Listen, Jesus wants to bring you into a season of making things right. Let's keep on going. A new season opens the opportunity to live in freedom from the bondage of the past. Uh, there's a very vivid picture of this in Luke chapter 13. If you still have your 19 marked, would you just turn back a few pages and look at Luke chapter 13? Um, I'm just going to read uh, just uh, three verses to you, beginning in verse 10. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her and immediately she straightened up and she praised God. Could you imagine living life the way this this woman did for 18 years. For 18 years, this woman was bound. She was held captive by a spirit of infirmity. And that meant that this is how she lived her life for 18 years. For 18 years, her perspective was the dirt of the ground and other people's feet. She was not able to walk in an upright manner. Instead, she walked in bondage for 18 years with a downward perspective. And then one day, 18 years after this started, she had an encounter with Jesus Christ. And Jesus spoke to her and he said, woman, you are released from this bondage that's held you for 18 years. And he laid hands on her. And what did she do? She straightened up. She began to walk uprightly for the first time in 18 years. She was set free. Listen, in a new season, we have the opportunity to be released from whatever has had us bent over and captive. So let me ask you, is there anything in your life that's had a, or has a strong hold on you? It's a stronghold. That's what a stronghold is. It has a strong hold on you. Is there something in your life that for some time it's held you captive? It's held you in bondage so much so that you don't see life correctly. You walk in a non-upright manner, so to speak. Spiritually, you are walking bent over. You don't see life correctly. You're not walking upright because of this thing that has held you captive. If 
this is true. And then this, and I'll be very honest, I could say in a group this size, I can safely say that there are people in the room who are held in bondage to something. Something has a strong hold on you. And today, Jesus is calling you into a new season. He's calling you away from that, so to speak, bent up, wrong perspective. He's saying you can be released from the bondage that's held you captive and you can walk upright. You can walk in an upright manner. You don't have to be in bondage anymore. That's the season he's calling you. If you, listen, if you are being held captive by something, Jesus is saying to you today, I want to release you. You have been released through the finished work of the cross. And so you have to make a decision that you will trade the old way of life. You will will trade this bondage for freedom that comes in Jesus Christ. I, I don't read from the King James often, but uh, I love how this verse, part of this verse is stated in the King James Version. I just think it has such power. It says that Jesus spoke to the woman and he said, woman, thou art loosed. Do you hear the power in that? Woman, you are loosed from that thing that has held you captive. And that's what I want to say to you today. The word of the Lord is whatever has held you captive, you are loosed. You are set free if you will choose to walk in that freedom. This week, Cammie and I were talking about this, and she told a story of several years ago. She led a team to Nicaragua from Grace Covenant, a team of women. And she was actually teaching using this passage of Scripture. And when she came to the portion where it said, Woman, thou art loosed. That suddenly, upon those words, there was a man in the back of the room, and he stood up. And then all over the room, men and women began to stand up. You know what they were doing? They were trading bondage from captivity for freedom that comes through Jesus Christ. That's the decision they made that day. Last service, I told that story, and afterwards I was talking to a man, and he said, I almost stood up. I almost stood up because God was doing something in me. And just the fact that he didn't stand up doesn't mean that it didn't happen, but he was acknowledging God was releasing me from something. And I pray that that's what's happening in the room right now, that there would be such a movement of the Spirit of the Lord that there would be a loosening from bondages, things that have held you captive, and that when you walk away from here today, you find yourself no longer walking this way, but you're walking uprightly because you know that he whom the Son sets free, free indeed, that through the power of Jesus Christ, you have been released, and you don't have to walk that way anymore. Whatever it is, there's power to set. For, for some, that bondage might be guilt and shame, for some past failure you had in life. It could have happened many, many years ago. And as a result, you've been walking like this, bent over with guilt and shame and condemnation. Reminds me of the story in John chapter 8. I'm not going to have you turn there. I can just tell you real quickly. It was the story of the woman who was caught in the act of adultery. The leaders brought 
her to Jesus. They were trying to trap Jesus, but they were demanding that she be stoned. And so Jesus spoke to the crowd and he said, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. And one by one, they began to walk away. There was no stones cast. And he said to the woman, where are your condemners? And there are none. And then he said to her, and neither do I condemn you. Scripture tells us that there is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Jesus Christ. So if you've been held by, by guilt and shame for a short or long period of time, let me just say this. The word of the Lord is that you are loosed. You are set free from that because Jesus has already done the work to set you free. You're set free. You're set free. Let me just quickly bring this to a close. Uh, a new season provides opportunities for the kingdom of God to grow. Uh, I'll just draw this quickly. There's a story in John chapter 4. It's a story of Jesus and an encounter that he had with a, a, a Samaritan woman. And basically, as he's talking to this woman, he reads her mail. He tells her about her life. And as a result, she believes. And she goes back to her town, to her village, and she tells everybody. And it says, because of her testimony, they believed. And then... Um, they come and they find Jesus and they urge him to stay. And so he stays with them for two days. And then it goes on to say, they said, we no longer believe because of your testimony, but we believe because we've experienced Jesus ourselves. Um, in a new season, we can plant seeds as we tell our story of personal transformation. And in a new season, we can watch as others hear our story and grow in their desire to know Jesus. This is really important because we've been talking for so many weeks about the fact that we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. So we want to tell our story. Our, our seasons allow us the opportunity to tell others the story of Jesus and to watch them believe and, and for the kingdom to grow. So here's what I want to ask you today. Would you accept the invitation from Jesus to enter into a new season? You know what that season should be. From the, from, the, from the seasons and the opportunities I've talked about, or maybe the Holy Spirit is dealing with you about something else right now. But the, but the bottom line is, are you willing to trade an old way for a new way in Christ? Even if you already have relationship with Jesus, are you willing to take off the old so that you can continue to put on the new. Would you bow your heads? I want to pray for you. God, we acknowledge that you are the orchestrator, the divine orchestrator of the seasons of our life. And um, today we acknowledge, we believe you are calling us into a new season. You're calling us to live differently than we did in the previous seasons of our life. You're calling us to take advantage of the opportunities that we have in these seasons. So I pray for every person in this room. I pray for perspective changes today. I pray that there would be a rising up above the crowdedness of life, rising up to a Jesus perspective. I pray that there would be a trading of deceit for truth. I pray that there would be continual loosening of the bondages and the captivities that have held people. Father God, I pray that you continue to do that work. We know that it's an ongoing process, but I pray that it's happening right now. I pray for those changes to happen. I pray it in Jesus' name. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I'm going to ask the question that I ask every week. Is there anybody here and you've never said yes to Jesus? You've never, you've never really 
made a confession that you understand that sin separates you from God, but that God gave His Son Jesus, and Jesus paid the price for our sin. You've never, you've never said, Jesus, I believe that, and so I want to give my life to you. I ask you to take residence within me. I, I want to become that new creation. Is there anybody here today and you say, I've never said yes to Jesus, but I want to do it today. And if so, would you just lift up your hand let your eyes catch my eyes? Is there anybody at all? Would you stand? Father, thank you for this wonderful day. Thank you for the fathers that are here. And thank you, Heavenly Father, that you love us so much. I pray that you continue to work this message deep, deep in our hearts. And I pray a blessing over us as we go, that as we live out our story of Jesus in our lives, that people would be drawn to us and ask us why we're so different and we'd be able to tell them your story and see them come into the kingdom. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.